Michelle Garner and Marilise Anderson are the hosts of the podcast Twinning, a podcast about the experience of having an identical twin. You can find links to Twinning in the description. So, guys, how, how many of you is too many? <laughs> I'll let Michelle feel that one. Well, we're, we're, we're quite content as we are, the two of us. Um, I mean, I guess if there were five of us, we'd probably have a lot of fun with that too. So, you know. Right. But like, come on, there's got to be like an upper limit, right? Can there be like 90, like 90 of you or like, how many is, how many is going to start causing a problem? Oh, of us? Like as if we had multiple versions of ourselves? Yeah, oh, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I would say that we really like to, um, because that's what we're used to. It probably depend on other people, like how much how much we bother <laughs> unto ourselves. We probably could handle a lot of us, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like our lived experience is, is the two of us, and that dynamic is very, you know, I think I don't know how to put put it, but one on one is such a part- unique type of dynamic, right? It's I think it it affords a particular type of intimacy and and um, unity that is really only found between one and another, basically. Oh, that's interesting because it sounds almost like the fact that there are exactly two of you makes it more meaningful that there are two of you. Like if there was 90 of you, you'd kind of like, it kind of dilutes the experience of being um, identical with someone else, right? Yeah, um, I think so. I think so. I mean, that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, I I think that there's an interesting kind of, you know, Marilise and I, and then our relationship. So there's this kind of trifecta there. Mm-hmm. And that, that is only you, like, that's particular to two individuals having a relationship. Mm-hmm. So w- when it comes to the podcast, you've got this podcast called Twinning. And I, I really, I, just like, out of curiosity, it's just interesting to listen to, you know, both as someone who maybe listens to way too many male driven podcasts, number one, and number two, like someone who is a, a singleton, as you call it, um, what's what's kind of your motivation behind the podcast? Because it almost it almost sounds like you know you guys would talk regularly anyway, and you're like, well, we might as well record this. But what what is your kind of motivations behind the podcast? You want to take that, Lizzie? Sure. I mean, we love the experience of being twins. And growing up, I think a lot of people had curiosity about that and would ask us questions about what it's like, and just a array of questions but um that uh, that was you know knowing that that's an interest for some people we don't assume that people all people are interested by identical twins certainly not but um we love being identical twins and as michelle said it's actually just a time also for us to connect so yeah like you said samuel we would regularly have conversations and um this just gives us a, a time to be intentional about that and we actually have an imaginary world which is hopefully somewhere we're, we're going to get to in our podcast and we wanted to have an avenue for sharing that with the world so um yes that is going to be hopefully part of the future of our podcast um and we know it may be difficult sometimes because our voices are so similar um but it's just yeah it's, it's a great outlet for us to connect with one another to explore different ideas that we have, um, things that we've learned, things that we want to learn, um, and hopefully connect with other people uh, out there who are interested in some of the topics that we're touching on. Yeah, I feel like um, when I'm listening, at least you guys kind of blend into the same person. It's almost like someone having a conversation with themselves. That's just because like, I can't perceive the like small differences between the two voices. But 
I'm actually quite interested in this imaginary world you're talking about. I mean, I know you say you're like waiting to reveal this, but I'm actually quite interested in what what you mean by that. Well, I mean, yeah, thank you, Samuel. We we have this, we've had it for a long time, you know, from our childhood. I mean, we, I want to say like, we're pretty, mm, there's a lot of imaginary play and creativity, I think that we have in our relationship. And that is just expressed in how we communicate with each other you know, we'll be talking and then suddenly we'll kind of like go into other voices and, you know, be making some scene in our head, you know, some scenario. And we, we flesh it out together and play with that idea and kind of embody it. It's almost like you're acting sort of, um, acting some sort of scene out in, in, from our minds that we share together, that we develop together. And so, yeah, I mean, it's always been a part of our relationship. And I think that's another reason why we like doing the podcast and are doing it because we like creating things, you know, we like creating things. So it's fun to create together. Um, Cause that's, again, that's just always something we do. We tend, we just end up, end up creating, end up in some imaginary situation that we're playing out. So, so yeah, I mean, our, our imaginary world is very, well, again, it's very, fu- it's very funny and fun for us. Um, and in this imaginary world, um, I'm actually a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> and Marilee is is a Josh Hound dog, like a wiener dog. Of and course, the reason naturally. why Yeah, naturally. And the reason why, like what made our big bond, Samuel, was that we both have little arms. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Okay. So forgive me for like completely shutting down. Like, there. This is, this is like a lot to hear. This is a lot to process. <laughs> You're like, I was not anticipating this level of... <laughs> no, I, actually, I really wasn't. Um, <laughs> this level of weird. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can relate. I mean, someone who, as someone who has siblings, I mean, you know, you have like games and imaginary worlds and stuff like this. But um, yeah, being a T-Rex and a Death Hound is quite, um, quite unique. And I'm interested to see where that goes. I don't, I don't really know where to even question you on that, but... Um, in terms of, in terms of <laughs> I, I really don't know. We could just share a little more if you want. I'm in, I'm into please, yeah, please keep talking. I just, I well, so I just funny when you, Sammy, when you said earlier, like it seemed like you were, you know, connected regularly. And I mean, yeah, we, we did. We, I mean, Michelle and I love to be in touch with one another. We don't live in the same town, we live in the same state. So that's a blessing. But, you know, we wish we lived in the same house. We, we, we are always very close roommates and roommates. We talked about that in one of our podcasts that, you know, we were roommates before then we became roommates growing up in our home. And then even to college, we um, continue to be roommates. Um, but, you know, another way that we connected when we were living in the same area, living in the same room, um, we have regular conversations, of course, um, but also would jump in and out of this imaginary world. And I think both of us feel that there's a beautiful thing in being a child um, and having a childlike spirit. And both of us feel very connected to that. Um, and so being able to have this imaginary world that we kept up, like there's many different schemas that we had as little children, but this one was the one that lasted the longest. And there's introduction of new characters over time. Um, but our main characters, Weenstie, that's me, Weenstie, she's Rexy, the T-Rex, um, that, that has not changed. Those, those characters have not changed. And so us connecting over the years, even especially when we moved further apart, you know, um, we would continue to keep up Winston and Rexy. And honestly, it's sometimes difficult to do that when you're not living in the same place, you know, and there's not as much time, um, you know, but then we, you, you're, 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 
inner being desires that childlikeness and at least mine does at least michelle says and so we want to incorporate more of that into our interactions with one another again one of the reasons behind the podcast too is being able to channel that um, and explore it and enjoy it so yeah that's um you know our imaginary world and as you said like many children have ha have imaginary worlds or an imaginary friend or some schema that they play when they're younger um it often doesn't carry on beyond childhood because you know then you grow up and it's not necessarily okay or you know you everyone plays in their own way in different you know so it's not that people don't play as an adult but it looks different some um in different you know it looks different than with child as a child um well, maybe someone argue, could argue that it doesn't look that different, but um, anyway, it, it, this we have been able to keep it as much uh, very close to what it was like as children, and we, we love it. It's very invigorating to us, very invigorating and yeah, life giving. That's that's and, interesting because you, you mentioned uh, that thinking in a childlike way is important, um, even as an adult. Why do you think that is? Well, personally, I think it's important because it stimulates curiosity. Mm. I think it also stimulates empathy. Um, because what is empathy, but like being, allowing yourself to sort of put yourself in another's shoes, really not just, you know, put your shoes within their shoes, as Daniel will say sometimes, but really take off your shoes, put on the other person's shoes. And I think that if we, if we allow ourselves to kind of like let go of our like functional fixedness and just kind of purport or pretend even it allows us to actually develop curiosity it allows us to, to develop empathy and I think it also just um like allows you to just be be silly you know and and not really and remember that as 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 grave as things can be in life there's also so much so much joy and so much fun and so much wonder you know around us and so I think if you participate in like this practice at least for us it stimulates all of those those wonderful outlooks that um, often children are so apt to have, and we can lose sight of over the years, all with all of our functional fixedness and all of our, you know, just our almost being numb to the fact that there's all this, all of these opportunities and potentials all around us all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, so the wonder element and the curiosity, and then also the empathy, right? Because you allow yourself to sort of be in a different headspace or point of view, you know, and. Also, like, I think there's a vulnerability there because, I mean, Samuel, when, when we're in this world, like we, we use voices, it's, you know, to, to some people that would be like possibly embarrassing, but for us, it's really fun. And we we're like, okay, we're, we'll just share it with the world. It's fine. Like we, we, we enjoy it so much that it's something that if somebody can, it's just even somebody can like get a smile out of it or just have a laugh or think that's funny, you know, um, then we're, we're thankful for that. And I think too, sometimes the vulnerability is such a key aspect of like living a fuller life, you know, because if you're not able to be vulnerable or allow yourself to, um, you know, do something that actually like is in your heart and it's just kind of bubbling forth, you know, there's something that kind of does get lost, I think there, or sort of um, gets hindered and hampered, you know, where so there's such a worry for what will people think, or, you know, I have to be the certain way. And, and I think when you, when you play and when you do this sort of out of the box sort of practice, it's, um, it's a great way to sort of actually just, enjoy and and then also develop these these aspects of like I said curiosity empathy wonder and um yeah if we're not vulnerable like we'll never learn anything either you know because in learning new things you have to be able to admit like oh there's so much I don't know there's so much I still haven't I, I have I have yet to understand or even experience um 
so if we're not really vulnerable, we kind of put up so many hedges um, that that can block us off from from just further and deepening understanding experiences, life, you know, itself. So I hope I hope that kind of gives a good answer there, or at least some answer. Yeah, I think this is definitely something that um, I would say I've fallen prey to, but also you know really bothers me is that sort of cynical um, state of mind. Is like I, I, I can just imagine uh, certain people I know, you know the reaction to the description of this imaginary world with the T-Rex and the Dutch hound and all that sort of stuff. Um, but like, like you said, like that sort of vulnerability could be so simple, but so kind of rewarding. Like every, whenever any, whenever anyone's gone through like a transformative experience, they've always said how their mode of thinking has changed. And I think to have tools where you can look at something from a different perspective, whether, you know, like it's, like admitting that you're vulnerable for example can can help can it can get you out of like traps that i think you know again it's come back to that like adult cynical way of thinking where you know people can get trapped in that for their whole lives people can get trapped in a certain mental state and they get stuck there forever and that and then they die and that's it yeah i know absolutely and i'll just say really quick this for me is a great analogy for vulnerability and the power of it is like when you're learning a new language right you have to be willing to make mistakes you have to be willing to put yourself out there you have to be willing to sound you know child even possibly even sound childlike or childish you know like you're making mistakes or you're babbling blah 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 and you you do that though why why so you can learn a language so you can actually have an access point to a culture so you can experience um other you know other ways of life and thinking and and living and then you also have this this incredible tool and resource of another language um so that you know vulnerability is a key aspect of learning and kind of extending one's horizons I think and um you know those are great things because life will bring its times of despair you know and um times when you have to get kind of creative to transform your sadness into growth you know and so I think that that vulnerability comes in key there yeah it's it's I think learning a new language is a really good way of thinking about these things because, um, you know, <laughs> people will say like, oh, what if I say something and someone doesn't understand me? It's like, well, you know, when you're learning a new language, you're trying to like, impl- like, like use a new language that is going to happen to you and it's going to happen multiple times. And you have to, to like to grow as a person, you have to get over the fact that it's going to be painful as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of wondering, like you said, you've lived as roommates. Is that, what are the, what are the benefits of having a doppelganger? Like, has one of you gone, gone to work for someone else one day or like? <laughs> Easy. All of our, all of our shenanigans of tricking people. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we actually, we, yeah, we actually do trick many people. And that's part of just our personalities of wanting to not be troublemakers. I mean, we just goody two-shoes, you know, that's, that's one of the words people used to describe us growing up, honestly. Um, like our superlative in high school they gave the to both of us and another male student um and it was um teacher's pet so if that says anything I don't know um but it it, it basically we didn't really want to trick people you know we we enjoyed um the fact that people would confuse us on their own so like you know we went to the same university here in the states um and you know if I was walking around and someone came up to me and be like hey Michelle did you finish the homework and I'd be like 
you know what? I'm so sorry, but I'm actually Marilise. Michelle has a twin sister, and they would just be like flabbergasted. And I just love that. Like I love when that happened. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, it was just absolutely hilarious. Um, but the actually only only time we switched like classes was when um my Spanish teacher like prompted us to. She's like, I'll take the blame for it. You guys, I want you to switch classes because I want to trick the other Spanish teacher who we both had Spanish at the same time, but different teachers. So that was in middle school, I want to say. And yeah, we we switched then, but um, we have not taken advantage of the fact that we can do that very often. It's just, I think we just, yeah, we like to be our, you know, I don't know. We don't really like to mess with people too much, honestly. <laughs> like, it's just not our personality type, but I know many twins you have and they enjoy it and it's funny. Um, but yeah, I guess we don't like to make people feel like duped or something. I, I For lack of a better way to explain it, it's just, that's just not how we are, but. It, it's, I think it's our, so- like our conscience, it's like, okay, yes. Marilise, if I sent Marilise in to take a test for me or something like that, I just would just be like, oh, I know I'm lying. You know, I know I'm lying. <laughs> yeah. So I think we, we're both like that. It's like, oh no, we're not going to lie to anybody about this. <laughs> be straightforward. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting like personality thing because yeah. I was thinking about it and I've been told this in the past, like if there was um, more of me, if there was like two or three, um it would I would go like one of two ways it would either we'd either be like partners in crime and get up to all sorts of like weird stuff or it'd be like Highlander and there'd be like you know there can only be one and we'd have to like <laughs> fight each other to the death, basically. but I think maybe I just have a like weird sort of personality type in that way uh, but that's, that's not weird it's not weird it's just different yeah. right 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 so I, I was, I was, you know, there's a constant use of the word uh, singleton in your podcast. And I was just wondering if uh, you guys consider yourself uh, twin supremacists. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I, the first time I used that word, I honestly felt like bad about it. <laughs> I felt bad about it. I felt <laughs> bad sorry. about it. You're so judged. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I think I was the one who used it first and I'm really sorry, Samuel. I did not in any way mean to make you feel bad or anyone else for that matter who's, who is a single a person who was born just them. I don't know how, see, this is the reason why I use the word singleton. I think I was just recently pregnant at the time, like I had just given birth or something. And so like this whole mindset of like a singleton, that's what, that's when you fill out a form about like, I don't know, your pregnancy or something, which I think I probably had to do for this metabolic screening that I was doing for my baby. And, you know, it says like, was it a singleton or a trip, a double, a triple, meaning like how many fetuses were in your womb? So I don't know. I don't know what else, how, how else would you describe it, Samuel? And I'm curious, like, instead of using the word twin twin and not twin I mean like is there a better way better word because I definitely don't want to use the word singleton if it offends anybody but we no simple answer the question we are not twin supremacists we love (laughs) people all people disavow disavow not just twins okay we love we really love people and um honestly I think we don't it's not necessarily that we connect very like it's not like we connect better with twins than other people. Sometimes we connect better with twins than other people who are not twins. Um, but it de- just depends on the, the personality of the twins, right? So, you know, we, we mentioned this quite a bit in our podcast that like our experience as identical twins is not, we don't assume that that's the experience of every other set of identical twins. And there's certainly a lot of identical twins who maybe have had difficulty and challenges in their relationship or, you know, for other like conditioning factors, parents who have said like, oh, you should be individuals, be, you know, be independent and they've sort of driven them away from each other. Um, And that's, you know, that's, that's just life. That's, you know, the child can't control that. Um, So 
yeah, we do not assume that our experience as identical twins is any is the same exact experience as others. But um, you know, yeah, we 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 love being twins, um, but we love people. So we don't, you know, triplets. If you're a triplet, or if you're a twin, or who's close with your twin sister or brother, or if you're a twin who's not close to your sister or brother, or if you're a single person, like not single as in relationship status, but singleton. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Samuel, what's your word? What should we say? What should we call the people who don't have a twin? No, there needs to be a label, right? I just, I just <laughs> thought it was because it kept coming up and I was kind of like, oh, I'm in the, I'm in the out group here listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm in the other group. Marilise like genuinely felt really bad about the word. She was like, oh no, did I make people feel excluded? <laughs> that's, yeah. not the, that's not the, uh, the, the intent at all. But ex- I, I, exclusion is fine. Okay, so here's, a, here's an interesting question. But no, because this is something that comes up with, uh, came up a lot with my discussions with Javier Rivera, is the discussion of difference, right? And I'm kind of I'm kind of happy with difference. I have no problem with difference. I think it's actually a good thing that there um, there are differences between people because you know who wants to live in like a homogenized world where everything's the same, right? But do you think do you think things would be better if everyone was a twin? If like human beings, they naturally produced twins every single time. I, I feel like my my gut reaction is is. Uh... <laughs> I, mean, I guess I guess I'm just it's very hard for me to not think like well that's just not how it is you know <laughs> like it's just mm-hmm. reality is that people are either born with a twin or not with a twin in, in triplets or what so it's, it's just like I don't I don't know I mean I think our particular relationship and why our particular type of bond and why it's such an effervescent thing for us like such a life-giving thing for us too is also probably because of our personality types where we just you know we enjoy that bond we enjoy the synchronicity we have Marilise and I so I don't know I don't know actually but I think you know it's funny because actually when I was listening to, listening to you and and Javier's live um I'm trying to think I think it was I think it was actually oh no I think you brought it up in both lives Samuel with with Javier that there was this this point you make about how like you just you don't like when people become similar to each other in, in, especially in marriage or like long-term relationships you just you're like it just I just don't like that. I think that's, you know, and I, I, I get what you're saying. I really do. Cause I think there's something about being able to protect each other's differences in, in the real cut type of sense that is important, you know, it's really important. Um, but I kind of thought that's interesting because maybe for identical twins like us, it's such a polar extreme of similarity that I was wondering from your personal perspective, is it like, oh my gosh, they're just like, so alike. I don't, I don't, I just, uh, it just, is it as bothersome to see the alikeness in us as it is to see in like couples? It, it bothers me because, again, like I said, listening to podcasts, I'm I'm struggling to like know who's talking and who it like who, who I'm listening to right now. Yeah. Um, I think you know naturally it just kind of blends into one thing. Um, I the, it would it it might irk me, but the only reason it does is because, like I said, maybe I'm a certain personality type where I would almost feel intimidated if there was two of me. Yeah, <laughs> because I, especially if like you know long lost twin brother turns up now. Oh my God! Can you He's imagine? He's going to come through the door right now, Samuel. Can you imagine how intimidated? Like, <laughs> it'd be like oh, I'm being replaced here. Um, but it's inter- it's interesting because you you mentioned how you've been roommates um, at college, and I would kind of and I, this this thing came up in my head when I was listening to the podcast is the uh, is um, uh, Heidegger's concept of Gewaltenheit, 
which is like thrownness, right? Um, and, you know, it applies to um, the lower singletons and twins equally, but, you know, you're kind of just thrown into the world and you have to scrabble around and um, make something of it. And it's interesting because when it comes to your paths and decisions in life, do you feel like the presence of the other person has helped guide you? And in, in that respect, I'm also just interested as, as much as you can share how similar your, your paths have been. Yeah, I mean, I think that idea of having someone to guide you or someone to be alongside of you and sharing the experience of life, um, it's it, for us, it's been an incredible asset. It's been an incredible blessing and a gift. And, you know, I think that's for us. That's why if you had to go down this crazy hypothetical of, you know, would human, the human race be better if we were all born twins? You know, um, I don't think it would hurt. I think it might, might end up making the human race a bit better. Um, but it's not to say, you know, because every um, because twins, you know, there we we know twins that um, you know have had even harder struggles, who are not unified in their relationship, whose relationship isn't a gift to one another necessarily. But you know, we we me, me and Michelle, we believe we live in a fallen world that there is um, really some not so good things that happen in this life in this physical life and um it's 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 painful to see that because you know a, a twin relationship should be a gift um but i think that having somebody to guide you to be a partner with in life for us has been an incredible blessing and asset and now we have that also with our spouses um and I, I did not uh, um get to listen in for this chat with you with javier but um i think and a part of me thinks that i sort of like seeing tandem in relationships not blending up people becoming the same person but there's a difference i think there's they're mutually exclusive in my mind there is a blending together where you can tell the person's just you know catering you, you know when you you it's like middle school girl relationships sometimes you know like the one girl is a little less dominant and she becomes like the dominant friend because that's the way she feels she can get in into you know get close to her and feel connected with her and feel accepted that's not what I'm talking about, you know, and what I see is there can be a tandem where in a marriage relationship or a committed long-term committed relationship or a friendship, or in our case, a twin twinship, we are still our, our own people, but we have this tandem that comes about by, and it, and it comes from this being aware of one another's needs, understanding them, understanding how to meet them. Um, and I mean, this, this happens with me and my spouse, this, this happens with me and my spouse. This happens with me and my housemate, who's a twin as well. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I love seeing that. And I do see that in, in relationships around me. And I think that that's actually a sign of real maturity. Um, and I, and I, I say that it doesn't come with the sacrifice of losing who you are. Um, but of course, when, when baby troubles, when there are, when there is a sacrifice of losing who that person is individually, that, that I think is a problem that probably ends up being more like codependency and having some other issues mixed in. Um, but I think that they're, they're, they're two, they're mutually exclusive. These two categories, you know, people being able to be in, live in tandem with one another and then melding together that, that I don't think is a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was really, I was really interested when, uh, cause you brought this up at some point is, the aspect of being deeply understood um yeah. just by the biological fact that there is someone made up of the same biological stuff as you right and yeah. you know that could apply to siblings but it's obviously you know brought to a um fever pitch when you know there's an identical twin 
and um, something else you you sort of mentioned was that you know the other person's desires almost kind of line up with yours um and it sort of makes you feel more understood how how closely do your desires kind of match up that's interesting so so samuel we're going to be talking about desires and wants on our next episode which is very exciting so we'll kind of get we'll get deeper into that subject on on our next episode um but i think I think this is an interesting question, Samuel. Um, I think that for us, there, there, there is a lot of overlap in terms of desires. Um, I think I'd say so. Um, and it's, but, but, you know, there, there are some things that are different about Marilise and I, and a lot of times, um, like just between the two of us, if I had to say like, who is a little bit more of a leader, I would say Marilise, you know, and I was a little bit always kind of like, like my dad our dad would travel uh, in the east and things and he brought back these two paintings one time and I thought they were so indicative of like the just the difference that it, there is between Marilies and I because the one the one painting I don't know if you remember these Marilies but this one painting yeah was um of a girl like a it was a very beautiful almost like lithograph a girl um in kind of Asian attire um sitting and doing her work at a table and then that was for Marilies my dad gave that to Marilies and then my dad gave me the one where the, the girl is in the Asian attire and she's sort of like walking through the the um basically like the the far the the garden there's like these stalks basically corn stalks and she's walking through them and for me I was like oh that's so fitting because I'm a little bit more often sort of like abstraction and you know ideas and that's probably why I ended up pursuing um, a lot more of that type of work um, of, of philosophy um, and literature. I mean, I studied English literature, Spanish literature. That was my double major and at the university. Um, and I think for Marilise, she there's a bit more of a focus sometimes of like, okay, we need to get this done. And so let's get this done. And let's do like, she was more kind of encouraging us to kind of sometimes get the things done that need to be, that need to be done. And so I, I sometimes wonder, like, I think I was... In that way, I was often encouraged and sort of almost given like the structure for for certain things, like even going to we studied abroad in Spain. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I was just the one doing that, I'm not sure I would have had the kind of like focus and we need to do these paperwork. We need to do this paperwork and we need to, you know, like Marilise, she didn't ever make me like I wanted to go too. So I guess what I mean to say is like sometimes we have the same desires, but I think the way that we go about pursuing those desires is is in the subtle in the subtle way different but then it can kind of be quite different now that we're like living apart if that makes any sense mm. so um anyways I just I think that's a little bit of a difference between us and for me like in some ways I I kind of like that because I just kind of went along with 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 what Marilise was doing because it wasn't like I was sacrificing I something I desired because I wanted to do the things she was wanting to do too um, but I just sort of had some motivation and somebody to kind of affirm me in that desire and almost like somebody to hold my hand and say like okay come on Michelle let's go you know um and so I I, I hope that dynamic is I mean I think Hello, Lizzie, you can speak to the dynamic as well. But I think that would be the clearest answer. I think we have similar desires and wants. I think the way we go about achieving those uh, is a little bit different. Yeah, and I think that was, yeah, going back to the question, Samuel, how, how similar have our experiences been in life? And um, yeah, I would say we definitely have differences. Um, you know, and I, I think that's something actually bring, beautiful to discuss with people because, you know, especially for those who are like, oh, you're just the same person. And when people would say that growing up, you know, it, it, 
it wasn't the most positive thing for us to hear that. It's one thing to confuse us and say, oh, you guys are so similar. I couldn't tell who was who. That's fun for us. But when someone sort of just like brushes us off, oh, you're the same person. It's not true. We're not the same people, um, you know, and I think that, um, yeah, we definitely agree with Michelle. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit more decisive. I'm a bit more a little bit more type A. The interesting thing is like we have another sister in our family, an older sister and an older brother. And our older sister is very type A. And then I would say Michelle's a little more type B. If I don't really like type types, but here it is. Um, because you know, we're as humans are soon nuanced. I don't necessarily like to uh Myers Briggs us all and just we're a series of letters because we're we're more complex than that. But um, you know. For, for simplicity's sake, I'll just say that, you know, Michelle's more type B, more carefree, less, you know, structured. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle of my two siblings. Um, but I think that being twins with, you know, being identical twins, um, Michelle and I have had, as Michelle said, it's, it's so many very similar desires and also very similar needs and meeting those needs. Oh, no. Very She's, I'm, she's like, I feel very excluded right now. <laughs> Why am I blur? <laughs> Yeah. I'm so glad this is the most guests I've had on a podcast. This is great. Oh, yay! Yay! <laughs> Must be the youngest podcaster ever. Woohoo! Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll have her put down a nap very soon. But just to say that, you know, our the differences were not um, threatening in a sense. I don't know, like the differences did not threaten still the, the shared preferences, shared desires, shared needs. Um, they just sort of helped us get there, like Michelle was saying, you know the balance one another um I don't know I guess yeah Michelle like she had mentioned with the study abroad like I was like yeah let's do it let's get get this going you know let's get the paperwork filled out and um you know let's get the references we need and and you know I was a little bit more focused in that respect but Michelle was you know really wanted to go and she loved the experience we both did you know and and so you know I think for me Michelle with what Michelle brings to me is you know a reminder to be um you know, patient sometimes in trials when I want to see things different, you know, or change. Michelle's extremely patient, extremely, um, like, finds a joy in even really difficult situations. Um, and so I'm thankful for that. So, you know, we, there are differences and those differences just help encourage us. It's like, you know, when they say, you know, opposites attract or people, and not, not, uh, they're, they're, how do they say it? it's like they complement one another, you know, in a long-term relationship or marriage, or even in a friendship that, you know, there's people who complement one another. And that's what I would say. It's like that, that tandem going on. It's not a, not being who you are or melding into the other person, but it's a awareness and connectedness to, with one another. That's a beautiful thing to see in any relationship. And we've definitely um, had that in ours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering also if you're, uh, if you guys are nature or nurture people, because, um, you know, from a like blankly scientific perspective, it's like, well, okay, you're the same person, like you have the same genetic code, the same foundation, but it's very clear that you're, you know, like at least temperamentally different people, right? Um, which kind of, you know, challenges the um, view of like biological determinism, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that, you know, um, you know that you have this essence and it determines what you are but it's very clear like you know we'd say okay the dna of someone the genetic code that makes them up makes them who they are but it's very clearly not true right 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a very good. I mean, that's why they do like twin studies and things like that, you know, mm. because there's such a great case of like seeing nurture versus nature. How does that actually play out? Also, I want to say thank you, Lizzie, for your kind words. <laughs> I was always very thankful for your leadership and like helping us to have some directionality. So we'd actually do stuff that was, you know, so fundamental and so great. So thank you, Lizzie, for that. And um, yeah, it, it definitely is kind of a, you know, you work together and the things that your strengths kind of, you make each other's strengths shine, you know. Um, there's a lot of things that are the same that are the same about us, but the things that are different, I think those worked really well with us because we just it worked it just really made for a good combination. And both of those strengths would shine in our relationship. Um, and yeah, I think for the nurture nature question, I mean, it's um it's very interesting because, you know, we, you know, born and raised in the same home, same parents, siblings, all all of that's the same. Literally, so much <laughs> was the same, same school, you know, same same church, same, all of that, all of that. So it is interesting because I think there's something um, that there's still something that there's almost like every individual has their own type of very, very, very unique culture to themselves, you know, and ours is very, very like there's, there's such a crossover for the both of us, but there's still something that is a bit, obviously there are some distinct differences. I mean, you, it, and those play out in like some of our decisions as we got older, you know, when you have more decisions to make and when those decisions are more, um, have more at stake, you know, there's, you know, that we started to make just, you know, just making different, different decisions, even like, for example, probably one of the first big decisions that was different was like what to major in, you know, or like what to pursue for our futures, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think I, you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me, probably maybe also just because to speak on like the technicalities of the science behind our biology and what's the same and what's different nurture nature. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's obviously just shows that people who have so much the same biologically don't end up just being these clones of each other. You know, <laughs> they don't. Um, it's often influenced by so many other factors, like almost in an epigenetic type of sense, right? There's these things that kind of influence you to have certain decisions. And it's this, it's always this sort of dialectic between you as yourself and then the, your environment, you know? Um, so I'll say that, Lizzie, do you have anything to say on the nurture nature? Um, I would say, I mean, yeah, I think for us, we've got both going for us, right? So both nurture and nature are, are very similar. We're identical twins, we're not fraternal twins. Um, but I think, I think that, yeah, and, and that's why we, I think we'd like to invite the comments and feedback of some other identical twins who have that, nurture piece and nature piece the same, but who land up being different from one another, very different, or not really sharing that same value about their twin, their twin relationship as we do. Um, I would say that, you know, certainly in our case, our nurture also included uh, fostering of that twin relationship. So, you know, our mom loved the fact that we were twins and she enjoyed seeing us dress alike. You know, she dressed us alike and then eventually we landed up choosing to dress alike until high school. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we had that nature, uh, that, that conditioning, um, sorry, that nurturing of that would have facilitated a closer, more tight knit twin relationship. Um, and we, we know that that's not the case for every, every twin, you know, so the, the, if you will, the nature of the nurturing, <laughs> right, then the nurturing, uh, 
for a set of twins, for example, who's we know a set of twins like this, for example, that the mom was very adamant about the twins do different activities, wear different things, they should be individuals. And they didn't, they don't, um, it's not that they don't appreciate each other, but they don't have the same type of relationship with one another's twins because of what their mom's influence was on them, you know, because of some of these really yeah, in, decisions that were made for them in very formative years of their lives. Um, it doesn't mean that they can't circle back and appreciate each other and their twin relationship in a new way later on when they're more were grown up or, you know, further down the road, but it just wasn't what we observed at least from what we saw in their life. So yeah, our nurture nature, the, the nature of our nurturing was that, you know, we would, we had a very, you know, it was this tight knit relationship that this mm -hmm. twin relationship that we love and adore and so enjoy. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I'm I'm a middle child basically, and you know naturally um, siblings tend to come in you know fairly quick succession. So I think naturally middle children are not you know the excitement of the first, but are also um, not the uh, the precious last one as well. So I think that the the nurture of uh, middle children is that you naturally become quite individualistic. Mm. and you become like quite yeah. um having to sort of well yeah more individualistic having to you know make your own way and that sort of thing without as much of a guide um and I I don't know I I think I put quite a lot of the I put quite a lot of stock in the nurture argument because um the majority like I think that you can kind of tell when you're talking to someone who's a single child for example um because they're both they're like the, the excitement of the first and they're the most precious you know um and <laughs> I just I, I don't know I, I feel like I've been able to tell um a lot of the time when that's been the case yeah no I think I think that's probably right Samuel it, it's it's something that kind of is evident in in some of the things that they carry with them how they express themselves what do they think about how do they think about themselves etc you know um that's very fascinating. I've heard there's a book out there that talks about like these almost again, I think it's it can be dangerous, very dangerous to have like, you know, these set archetypes and letters for people and here's your personality type, you know, um, but there there's this book about or the order of children and how there are certain propensities that they have. And I've, I've always been like, oh, that's very fascinating. Um, Samuel, I want to I want to loop back and just ask you something really quick. You know, when you say something like if I had a twin, you know, we'd like kill each other. <laughs> or or you know we just get up to all sorts of shenanigans yeah um do you think that's just a sheer element of like you you uh value like your solitude and it, it would just almost be like annoying to you <laughs> to have somebody else or do you think like um I don't know I mean I think you're a really cool person so like if you had another one of you you'd be able to enjoy that coolness together or like you'd enjoy that you know that it's like I'm getting to know Samuel and my brother twin brother is going getting to know me and we're like learning more about ourselves and our I, I don't know. So I don't know. I, mean, I guess I, maybe it's just that we've had such a positive experience. It's hard for me to think about like, I mean, I'm just like, I thank God for Marilise. I, I love having her in my life. And it's such a, such a, like Marilise has said, and I know it's, we say it a lot, but it's just so true. And it's hard to really articulate it in, in its fullness, but we just, we, we so appreciate it because it's such a, it's such a sweet and special, unique type of relationship. And it's like this very, very, very cool, cool experience um, of synchronicity. So I think for us, it's just like, oh, like, you know, the idea of people not wanting that is fine. I mean, no, nobody should be forced to want anything that they wouldn't want. But I just think, I wonder if it's just a solitude aspect. I mean, do you think that may have something to do with it, Samuel? Maybe. I think the biggest thing is that, um, I, I kind of I kind of like being a rare commodity. I like there being just one of me, you know. I don't I, I feel like, you know, 
it would it would dilute whatever I'm providing the world if there was two of me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It was weird to imagine this alternate reality where we're on, you know, Michelle's podcast and you're talking to the twins. That are me. I don't know. I don't know what that universe would look like, but you know. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Can I just say something really quick about the podcast, Samuel? It's interesting because, you know, you talk about our voices blending and stuff. And this is, a, see, we actually started this project by wanting to, by basically wanting to, well, it was a combination. We started to do videos, I guess, right around like after college or something where, you know, honestly, like, I don't know, people are very kind to us. I don't know why people would say this, but people would watch us talking and stuff and they'd be like, you guys should have a show. <laughs> We're like, uh, thanks. That's, that's so kind of you. Like maybe three people would tune in, but thank you. Like, that's so nice of you to say, I guess it just, we're very energetic. And so like when we're together, it's just like hyper energy, Samuel. It's just like, it's just, it's some people are, some people are bothered by that. They're like, stop, like, just, what are you on? <laughs> Please quiet down, like stop yelling. And we're like, are we yelling? Are we yelling? What are really? We just thought we were talking. <laughs> So, so it's a high, high energy and very, you know, we're kind of feeding off of each other in what we talk about and how we engage with other people and how we ask them questions. And, you know, it's, it's all very fun. At least we have fun with it. And some people do, and some people don't, but people would tell us like, you should have a show. So we're like, well, that's very kind of you. So then we would just do these funny little, like we'd go to our parents' garage and like, you know, make some funny video with each other and then and then we kind of started to think like, well, you know, we have our imaginary world. Maybe we could like put that out there. Um, and, and, but then we also just, we do like, even though I, I tend to abstract and think about ideas, Mary Lise loves to too. And she's very insightful and has some really great questions and really great thoughts. So then it's like, well, we could just talk about the experience of being twins ourselves. But the question is always like, our voices are very similar. And then if we go into our Weinstein and Rexy world, our voices sound similar there. So there was definitely questions of like, how do we do this? Like, should we do Zoom? And I'm just wearing a T-Rex costume and Mary Lise is wearing like a Weinstein, like a... <laughs> wiener dog costume or something so we've definitely had technical questions of how to make it work uh, in putting putting you know whatever content we're putting out there to the world I mean we've also thought about like cartoons and drawings so I I, I don't know it's we're all over the place but we're like we'll just start with this we'll just start with twinning a podcast where we talk about our twin experience and we can go from there I, yeah I think the costumes would be a great improvement yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's, uh, you know, they need to get like a Patreon and crowdfund this. I feel like it would be success. (laughs) And by the way, Samuel, I think it would be lovely to have a twin of you. So, but you know, that's okay. You can, you can, again, (laughs) you can Um, sing your singleton. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can, I can join the master race. (laughs) The master race. It's funny the word singleton actually like um Javier had listened to our first episode and he was also like oh wow I felt like extremely called out as a singleton <laughs> like yeah I me like, too I wow, had the same I'm a, experience I'm a so yeah. Um, yeah I'm not sure that was uh, <laughs> oh man but you know Samuel you were saying about you know this nature nurture and you know being um like the child the birth order and you know I wonder that too sometimes like if we were the firstborn in our family would we have been different um I, you know, you don't know, you just, it's just go, it's a hypothetical. Um, but I think that a lot of it is just our nature. I think it's, it's genetically how we are. I think maybe if we were born firstborn, maybe there would have been some differences, but um, maybe more in our family dynamic than just personally, individually, our own, who we became and what our lives look like. Um, but yeah, I think, and then to Michelle's point about the logistical issues, you know, I think once we release Weensy and Rexy to the world, you know, sort of share who they are with others um, through the podcast, you know, we can sort of take it from there. Um, 
I, I was listening to a podcast recently and I was also like, is there two people or just one person talking? I'm very confused. Um, and there actually are some differences with our voices. There, it's hard to tell uh, completely, especially if you don't know us that well. Um, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully that we're using our names enough to where you can tell who's sort of chiming in. Um, and then sort of enjoying that melding together, not, not melting together, that in tandem that happens with what we share and honestly um it, it really happens very naturally we you know we do have a roadmap for our podcast but we also let the spirit lead and like just go where we go and um that's M M michelle said this last week and i totally completely agree with her it's like i don't worry because i'm with michelle i'm with yeah. michelle and i know that we will be able to unpack something in such a way that it leads to further conversation and further intrigue and um you know we're really excited for upcoming episodes so definitely check it in Shelly you want to say the villainous phrase because that was a really cool one. Oh, you're so sweet <laughs> this is where we're gonna work but Samuel we do have questions for this one um but of course it's a podcast so you won't see it but it's like <laughs> it's the Maleficent is that her name Shelly Maleficent Maleficent mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't actually realize I didn't actually realize there was like a Maleficent movie recently yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's really good. yeah. I did not know that. I really was just saying it because, you know, she's uh what Aurora, like sleeping beauty that she's the villain, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, the, the concept was that if, if we vilify our wants, we become villainous with our wants. And I think that that's like, you know, that is a really important thing to understand because, you know, wants can be both, you know, wants are things we just have as humans. And so it's a lot about it is the, how, you know, how are those things being met? How are those things being accomplished? And if you always just think of like, well, see, see, I had Mary Lee's growing up to sort of affirm me in what I wanted, you know, like, cause we would just, we just, just naturally kind of in tandem in what we want, or even like the fact that we're, oh, we're hungry at the same time. We'd like a snack, you know, just literally down to that. So I think that learning in this stage of life, it's, and, you know, I, I, I think it's just so fascinating to me because it's almost like I have to learn how to want something for myself and then also know how to go about that in a way that is clear, clearly communicated. Um, and also just to understand how, you know, wants are not, they are something that kind of show, you kind of want to get curious with your wants, right? Like, why do I want this? What exactly is it about this that I want that has a representation of something else potentially? Um, but if you, if you always just sort of think like, you know, bad, you have a want and that's not a good thing, then you suddenly still have those things in you. You're still kind of, you still have that in you and you're not really finding a way to, to meet that or have it sort of be expressed in some way, even if it's just in some sort of imaginative, imaginative, playful, um, creative way, then like, as in like, I'm saying like writing something about it or whatever, if you're not finding some avenue for that, you can start to become actually very villainous with, with those ones. You'll still try to find your, you're kind of still going to want to find a way to meet that or to fulfill that or something. And then you start to actually become, you know, uh, I don't want to say tyrannical, but you can become destructive rather, mm -hmm. uh, with, with, with your ones. Mm -hmm. Because unity is a subject that comes up a lot with you guys. And yeah. there's kind of two sides to that coin, right? Is that you have, okay, you've got this amazing relationship with someone who's almost the same person as you. And you can kind of rely on to like not only be there for you, but like be a guide to your desires and those sorts of things. Um, but I, I don't know, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. There's another side of that coin where, you know, well, if you're, if you're, if you are a singleton, then you're kind of a free spirit. You have um, your own way to go, and you know if you're in, a, if you're if you're a twin, you, you might be constrained 
by what the other person is doing perhaps um and i feel you know i think that as human beings and maybe the twinning is like twinning is a way to escape this but i feel like we're always wearing costumes because you know in my day job someone might you know know me as something or you know have an impression of me but then you know one day you actually speak to them and they're like and you're like oh i have a book and i write these these things and all of a sudden poof you're not maleficent but you're like a completely different person almost does that does that kind of make sense yeah <laughs> yeah it does it does um well i mean there's there's always elements that of, of every human person being having their veils right having their layers um, I guess what I was, what came to mind when you were speaking, Samuel, was just this idea of like, well, with Marilies and I, it's almost like a place where you, where you can kind of let your veils completely drop. But even, even, even between us, there's, there are probably things that only Marilies really can know for herself about herself. And there are things maybe in myself that only I could really know that the complete depth of, or the, the extent of it. So, but I do, I do think that in, in, well, I don't know, there's, there's like kind of a, there's, there could be like a, a pro and a con to it for us, because the benefit is that we have a practice in kind of complete transparency with each other. Um, but there's also a way in which, you know, you go outside of that context and then it's, it's difficult to, you know, you don't just have the person who, you know, can basically read your mind, who is speaking your same language. So then it can be very easy to retreat, like really, 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 really retreat into yourself. Mm. And, um, and that's, that's a very interesting um, dynamic that can happen, you know, because you, we talk about this a little bit in the podcast, and it, this idea of it being something that takes I don't know. It's almost like getting used to the fact that like, oh, right, people are so different. Oh, right. People speak different languages, basically. Um, I mean, I don't mean just like French and Chinese, like, you know, this idea of the abstraction of language and, oh, right, we're different. And just because we are doesn't mean you should just kind of like go like hightail it back into yourself and never show yourself, you know, (laughs) just because it will just because it will be different and that just because it may be misunderstood. So I don't know. I think that's, that's what I would want to speak on regarding that topic and our experiences, our experience as twins and how that impacts that. Um, Now for, for a single, for a person who is born as themselves with no twin, I wonder if it's like the normal, the norm is just to be like, I'm (laughs) to myself, you know, because you're like, I am this individual and nobody is like me. So I'm just going to stay in that place of veiledness. Um, That's kind of my question that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was just wondering as uh again you don't have to answer this if it's uh if some, if there's some reason. But I'm kind of interested because you guys obviously you appear you seem very close. Um you seem to get on really well, but what's the biggest argument you've ever had with each other? What's what's the biggest <laughs> like falling out? Because yeah, like you said you've been roommates before, there must have been some sort of falling out. <laughs> Michelle burned the tea, the frozen pizza this one time. <laughs> oh gosh, that was Wait, what with the frozen pizza? <laughs> Michelle accidentally burnt the frozen pizza this one time. Oh no! Yeah, so embarrassing. Like just complete, just ruined everything. Well, at least she had a frisbee. Yeah, she. She had a frisbee. Is that really the worst thing? 
No, no. Um, I was joking. <laughs> but it was one that like stands out to me because there's been so few arguments with one another that like I don't know why. It was just like probably a perfect storm for like who knows, other factors going on, like, you know, some stress with school, hormones, who knows what. But like we we had this little tip with one another and then we were like trying it. We we're just like, okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's how it happened whenever we'd have these like really petty sort of arguments it's just like, oh so your argument was over who was the most apologetic no I'm sorry no it's, it's actually like I think that it's really interesting to because so so uh, Lizzie I'm, I'm, I'm well, going I mean here. I could bring up like all the with my my siblings Jesus in, <laughs> like it sounds like a bloodbath compared to whatever you guys have been through <laughs> I wish mine was a frozen pizza <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't think we like, I don't think we like being upset with each other for very long. <laughs> so just kind of like work it out, you know? Um, and it's funny, like even when I, we actually like, so basically one of like our first big crushes was the same person. And I can remember um, we had like a nickname for this person. We called him apples because he had like rosy cheeks. And we, and we basically <laughs> just, we both basically looked at each other and we're like, we, but it was like this very tender moment of realizing like, wow, you have these, you, these big feelings for this person. And I had these big feelings for this person. I mean, we were like, I don't know what age we were. I don't know. I don't know how old we were, maybe like 16 or something like this. And, and there was, I remember, I literally remember this Samuel because we were, we were actually at this, like this uh, trip for our church. And it was like a church person. And we were, we were in our little girls quarter in our sleeping bags. And we we're like looking at each other, talking to each other that we, we would always do this, like lots of, you know, basically slumber, slumber party every night together. And we would just sort of say, like, talk to each other about different things. And I remember us, I remember distinctly merely us basically saying in at the same time that like, you can have him. <laughs> so like, no, you no, like, it was not like have him, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about, but it's just like, go for it. You know, I don't want to kind of get in, you know, interrupt like you have. So it, it was just a very, it was, I don't know, to me, like those types of experiences just fascinate me endlessly with this sort of how, how do we, how do we navigate when like, what if you want the same thing and you can't have the same thing because it's one thing, you know? Um, I just want to so, know what apples is now. Oh, Marilyn, no, I'm, I'm out of apples. I know. No, I heard. I was with you guys. I was with you guys. Okay. My, my other daughters. No. So we're doing a little bit of juggling on this side, but it's all good. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, no, I totally heard about apples. <laughs> no, but you know what, Samuel, we actually brought up um, one of our biggest conflicts has been, and we brought up in the, in the podcast, one of our podcasts was um, we were talking about like having the courage to confront somebody. Mm. Um, and we talked about how like, we don't really usually feel like we need to have a lot of courage to talk to one another because you know like we we've spoke on we feel you know deeply understood and deeply accepted and loved um by one another and usually we're doing you know we're not making such deviant life choices from one another to where there is even a conflict but I'll say that this one time there was a, a very big conflict it was because you know I was I was spending I, I was spending um I was basically caught up in a relationship that was not healthy. And um, I was really abandoning a lot of who I was in that relationship or, or not abandoning. I, w- I was, yeah, I, I maybe was melding. I was conforming. I was, um, I was not holding true to convictions that I have in my heart. And Michelle had to approach me about that and call me out on, on a lot of things. Um, well, the main issue was me being in this relationship. So, you know, that was really hard for her. I mean, and that was like, honestly, one of the, 
that like is the example in my head, I think of where, you know, we had a conflict, you know, where we had an issue with one another. Um, yeah. And I didn't take it personally. I knew that she loves me and that she really was approaching me in love to bring to light and allow me to accept and sort of point, you know, it's like, yeah, see these things for what they were. And yeah, that that's the biggest example I can think of in my head, not the frozen pizza, though, that was one that does stand out to me for some reason. Um, we've had very few petty arguments with one another, but that was a big one. And that took a lot of courage from Michelle. And I know she's not somebody who loves conflict in the podcast, I talk about how it almost hurts her more than the other person <clears throat> who's being approached, because she 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 deeply values harmony, she deeply feel values people feeling loved, and accepted for who they are and what they're doing in life. And so it, I knew that it hurt her to talk to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, it sounds like you're both very agreeable people. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, that comes with its upsides and downsides. Yeah. Um, you know, you get along well with people, but, you know, like you were saying, Marilise, you can end up in a relationship that, you know, you're just kind of agreeing to and you don't see it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And then also on the other side, you know, when it comes to confronting someone or bringing something up that's on, you know, is painful. Your agreeableness kind of gets in the way of that as well. <clears throat> but I was, I mean, just on the topic of, um, I mean, this is, this would be interesting as someone who doesn't have children from two mothers is that something you said in, in episode, I think it was your second episode is you said, Again, I'm struggling to remember who said this of you two. But it's okay, it was Sammy, like, um, it. how you speak to your child will be how you how they speak to themselves. And that, for a bunch of reasons, hit me quite hard. But I'm kind of just wondering if you could elaborate on that statement and what that means to you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yes, yeah, so I, I did say that um, I, in, in the podcast. And, um... <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I mean, was. not that it matters. Lizzie... Lizzie very easily could have said that too Uh um but (laughs) yeah I mean basically like when we're children we we take we're absorbing so much and oftentimes we're still learning what it means to like hear our own self right Mm. but what we end up mimicking mirroring just for the sake of learning how to talk learning how to walk is to watch and do, right? We watch and we do it. We watch it and when we do it, you know, we see that with our children all the time. And a lot of times the first other, the first the the, the first other a child ever has is their their parents and their family, you know. And it's almost like getting sort of tracks, like I'm talking like tapes, you know, tape recordings or whatever. It's like these things that you hear over and over again. Well, you hear that and then you sort of say to yourself, you kind of internalize it. And so how you are spoken to and how you are approached and addressed is going to have a big factor in how you address yourself, you know, um, that there might be some like psychology behind it and uh, technical terms. And I'm not, you know, very, um, you know, very adequate at using or, or knowing, but that's just, to me, it's, it's sort of intuitive in a sense. Um, but also just by the fact that, Again, children look and then they see and they witness and they hear and then they repeat. They repeat it back. Even the things that you think are naughty that they're doing or something that they, you know, it's like, well, wait a second. Let me think about myself. If my child's having a trouble with boundaries, like what boundaries am I having a hard time with? Because a lot of times there's just things that 
and you don't have to want to be parent become paranoid about it because children also still make their own decisions but they they often they often are mirroring they're 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 reflecting what they see they're reflecting what they hear um to themselves so it's kind of gives them us it kind of gives them a framework of if you're speaking to them a certain way that gives them a framework for how they will speak to themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm interested to see what marlith has to say about that but um yeah, it, it hit me hard because it's just like, well, I realized that every time I'm doing something that doesn't sit quite right with my conscience, the 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 voice in my head is not me telling myself, it's my mother telling me off. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. It's true. It is my mother telling me off. <laughs> Yeah, that's so interesting how we convert those internal voices from our, you know, guardians, parents, influential figures in our lives to become our own, like internalizing and, and transforming mm-hmm. those voices into our own. Um, and I, I, before I was just going to say, if it's anything deep, Michelle has said it. If it's anything profound, Michelle. Oh, gosh, no, that's the, no. Said it, Michelle. No. no, no, literally. That's not true. Clearly, this is the thing. This is important because this is the agreeableness coming through. Because if it was two of me, I would be like, no, it was me who said it. No, it was me who said it. You guys yeah, were no, complete I, opposite of that. Complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but seriously. Um, so anyway, I just thought I was just chuckling to myself while I was setting my daughter up with her thing, like that, you know, <laughs> it was very it will be very simple going forward for you, Samuel, on who's who, because the things that sound profound and meaningful are Michelle. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> at least you say incredibly profound things as well. I'm serious. I'm I'm always just like when I oh, hear you, oh, thank you thank you Shelly I really appreciate that I really appreciate that but um yeah you know I think this a concept of the child that you know and how a child's forming this inner voice for him or herself um and I actually would I would say that you know there are a child is going to um take what you're saying and and sort of like say it back to themselves however you know a child also has their own will and some children have very strong wills <laughs> And they don't end up, um, you know, speaking to themselves the way that actually you are speaking to them, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't mean to disagree completely with you, Michelle. I do think that in, on the whole, children are going to speak to themselves how they, how you speak to them as a parent, um, for sure. That's, 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 you know, generally speaking, that that's what's happening. Um, but there is this willfulness in children and it's, it's a good thing, you know, we, and this is ties back into, you know, the valuing and, and, um, embracing and, and, and enjoying the difference, right. That we're not just meld into one another. Um, so it's important that a child is understanding and figuring out who they are, what they have control over, what they can control. This is very important in their development. Um, but I would just say that, you know, uh, some children are more willful. And so, you know, a way that you've spoken to them, yes, they're going to speak that to themselves, but they're also going to sometimes mix in a little bit of their own, <laughs> their own nature, right? Their own, gen- how they are wired genetically, how they're wired, how they think through things. Um, and so I think just, just, just in a sense to, as a parent, not to take on that burden, um, because you, you can do your part as a loving parent, 
Um, or even if you extend it to other relationships, Samuel, you know, you said you're not a parent yourself, but, you know, even as a co-worker, as a, as a, somebody maybe who is managing other people at work or in some sort of a friend type relationship or a significant relationship, with another person, um, you know, you can do your part to love it, speak lovingly to somebody empathetically um, to sometimes need to call something out. Um, but also do that in a, in a instructional sort of way, in a way that instructs and guides a child in their development or a coworker and his growth or whatever, uh, what have you. But um, then there's also going to be that person that, that, that they're, they're not, you're not entirely and fully responsible for how they, what they do with that. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I guess I just, I just want, I'd like to point that out because I think sometimes as a parent, there's an incredible amount of weight there or, or burden or responsibility and you know if you know that you've done your job to uh, approach your child in love and that's you know discipline and and you know from my perspective is love it's it's part of what you need to have to do as a parent <clears throat> to care for your child and to help them develop and mature um and so you know when you've done you've done that part then you can't really be concerned about the rest um but yeah i think it, it, it's it's true though and you know the that what, what are the first voices in your child's brain as they develop is your voice right so that obviously they're going to form their inner talk by what they hear about them from the outside world um and just you know i think it's interesting to think about how permeable like how how influenced is it all the same level of influence or do some children have a greater susceptibility to this influence than others so anyway that's just some food for thought there Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it was in the same episode and I've been you know been informed that it's probably Michelle who said this because it's a deep statement (laughs) but uh, we said that um you know it's important to allow someone else to feel their own music right and that like you said it that goes beyond being a twin with someone it goes into being a family member goes into you know even being a colleague like you said you can Mm -hmm. you can everyone can do that it's like a universal um so yeah I don't know I I've really enjoyed the podcast I think it's been uh great so far I would really like an episode on frozen pizza I'd love to hear uh the whole story maybe debate on that I don't know I I would I want to I want to see some more confrontation you guys should confront just, like, each other out, just, just straight duke it out on stuff yeah well I think like I'll just say really quick I, I, I agree with you Lizzie I, I think that's that's so important and um I, I think ultimately like I think just being aware that oh right we have certain influences but at the end of the day like I'm still an autonomous individual I can make choices no matter what I've been told right I can still make my own choices but I can I acknowledge maybe where it's coming from but at the same time, I still am the one going, that's going to speak to myself, you know, so I can choose a different track. If I, if this track's not working and it's basically driving me into the ground or, uh, or if I've been told like so many loving things, but still I choose a track that's negative toward myself, I can, I can actually make a different decision and start to create habits that actually are the things I want to be speaking to myself that then actually motivate me, encourage me. So yeah, there's, there's definitely this idea of like awareness and being just taking a minute to pause and reflect, but then also realizing your own agency, you know, so I'll say that too. And um, yeah, I think, you know, it'd be interesting because like in terms of our differences, you know, you were asking me like, where, where do we have the most differences? And, you know, if conflict, as you can see how our conflict goes, it's not very, <laughs> it's not, it's not very, um, it doesn't really look like conflict, but 
I think it's funny that I did bring up uh, this this idea of like this first crush and apples and then like, you know, that Mary Lee's talking about like confronting her was about a relationship she was in, right? So I think it's it's interesting because we've been kind of the, it's almost like we've always been the the other person to the other person, if that makes any sense. Almost like we were, it's hard to put this, don't take this the wrong way, but it's almost like we were married, you know? So then when when going into like these other relationships with you know, now our husbands and, you know, when one was in those younger years, I mean, we weren't really allowed to date till we were 16. So it's, it wasn't really like we didn't really, it's not like there was a big dating thing going on, but there were, you know, you start to meet other people, you start to have dates, you start to do that. And so I think that's where, that's probably the area, Samuel, where that's the biggest tension, right? Because then you start to make, you know, now you're bringing this other person into this kind of sacred relationship. And it's a very, 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 interesting thing to wade through and and it's very unknown and there's so it's just a whole new experience for us and um now you're also when you choose a certain person for your life then you're also now like you you're now you're you're in tandemness and your synchronization and you're like in, in the sense of the good sense not the like melding and losing your entire self but the good sense of what Marilise was talking about is now with another human being that is not your twin sister so so it's just that, that's probably the area where there's I wouldn't say conflict. I wouldn't say we're duking it out, but I would say that that's probably the area of tension because you might be making like even big life decisions or philosophical almost decisions for your life or how you do things that might be different because of now who is your um, the other person to your other person. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, we need we need a podcast with uh, Daniel and you can have a argument. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um. <laughs> which is funny like it's like it's just it's just interesting because our our, I feel like our husbands there are some fundamental things that are the same about them but I think there are some things that are quite different about them too so it's just interesting because like here we are Samuel like us are very very similar and then our husbands are not like twins to each other you know so that that's just a whole new world it's just it's just so different I I, I think we need a special where they talk to each other oh yeah I agree I agree I think it'd be very interesting to have um, Jesse and Daniel speaking together. Um, and, you know, it's, I, I guess for me, what that speaks to is like this idea that there isn't really a soul made out there for you. And that's like a whole different conversation. But I, I just believe that, you know, you could land up with different types of people and you will be able to have a, you know, I don't know. I guess I just don't really believe in that soul, soulmate concept. You like sort of become one another soulmates, but you're not like, oh, there's not just this one person that you're supposed to be you know, the, the universe is signaling you to the words, this person through mystical signs and stuff. I, I don't know. I just don't find that. Um, I, that's, I just don't think that's the truth. I think in our, in our anecdotal experience um, of our, you know, spouses and our marriages, you know, we obviously married to, we're, as we mentioned, not obviously, but we've talked about it. We were married to men who are very different, um, fundamentally very similar, but different in many, many ways. And so, you know, it sort of just shows you like, oh yeah, I mean, we're very, very, very similar. Michelle and I were, we were one person at one point and we still hold to a lot of the same values, desires, preferences, needs. Yet, you know, we are married to two pretty different people. Um, so yeah, wonderful people, wonderful, yeah, both. wonderful people. And that their differences is, is so unique. And so, 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 so wonderful to witness. Um, it's just, it's just, you know, it's a whole new, it's a whole new world because you're incorporating oh, yeah. that difference. Now it's like a sudden shock. I won't say shock, but it's a sudden, it's very suddenly different that you're incorporating into something that had been so, so the same. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. just, and, and that's great. It's a great to be pushed in that direction. I, I think it's, it's very, very much good for learning how to grow and expand beyond your capacity. 
Oh yes, absolutely. Definitely a growth experience for sure. <laughs> As is any marriage really. Because <laughs> it's like, if the soulmate concept is like, wouldn't it, we have ended up with people more similar? You know what I mean? Like, I think this is an interesting determined thing. It's like, well, you're so similar. So wouldn't you have ended up with husbands that are like very, very similar, but yet we didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. But you so know, just, they're, they're, I'm sure there are identical twins who have. Yeah, sure. Some, some sure. identical twins, does, you know, make it a point to marry identical twins, <laughs> you know? Um, so anywho, well, that's just, you know, I, and we hope, we really do hope that people will chime in. Other, other twins will sort of speak to this as well, because, um, you know, we, 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 we love to hear about that, that the experience of others as identical twins. Um, and, you know, they have, we're just looking forward to that very much. And we like the contributions from the singletons. We, yes, we, we, we do. do. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> you appreciate the contributions from the, the the lesser classes i like that very much um, but no just on the on the on the sort of idea that oh you two are genetically the same therefore you must be married to the same person is just like taking this scientism that i think mm. we're currently in a malaise of to its extreme it's it's not taking into account the entropy of the world and the, the way I see it, I mean, you can take this however you want, but there's that old quote that, you know, man makes plans and God laughs. Um, and I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a professed, like, believer in any specific religion, but, you know, there is such a thing as fate, right? And, you know, you might be genetic, you might even be literally the same, but you put someone in a different place at a different time and they meet a different person. Um, and we have to kind of, I think as humans, we have to accept that as much as we want to deny it and say, oh, you know, we can make everything perfect and determined. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my view on it. Um, so this has been this has been really great. Um, I re- I've really enjoyed your podcast so far. I hope you keep going. Um, waiting for that guest episode with apples. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you feel, oh, wow, that would be that would be something. That would be something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Maybe that would be the most confrontational episode. <laughs> Perhaps, especially if we get his wife there too. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, because he's yeah. <laughs> he's that <married>. would... oh. <laughs> Samuel, it's really been a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks so much for taking the time to have me and Michelle join you and speak on this our podcast. And um, yeah, we're just looking forward to more interesting conversations and sharing our imaginary world with everyone. And yeah, we just appreciate the insightful questions very very excited for the imaginary world i think you know as as it might sound silly but i think something's meaningful it's you know that's kind of the highest value but i don't know i feel like these uh, conversations they give it you know serious sometimes so there's a kind of tongue-in-cheek question i ask everyone um if you two were on death row what would you what would you have your as your final meal oh oh dear um on death row final meal chicken a king mommy's chicken alec king and we haven't i haven't had it for a long time but it's like um and it's her version so it's not i I don't even think you can like look it up on google and find a recipe it's just mommy's chicken alec king which is like a creamy mushroom and chicken dish with rice Mm -hmm. it would be funny to see like how do we said the same thing like one two three go that would be a big thing people would do they'd be like let me ask okay i'm gonna ask you a question now you whisper in my ear and you whisper in this ear and then is it like the person would be like so you know, like, oh, are they going to say the same thing or not? I think that's so funny. That was always a fun experience. But, um, you know, Lizzie, I do love Mommy's Chicken Ola King. You know that. Um, but the thing that probably came to mind was, was Buddha Voice 
and like and you know mashed potatoes and green beans like we're south african so this is yeah, like that, a very that, that was my other one shelly okay yeah sorry it's budovors it's a type of sausage basically because we're we're from we're south african so our, okay. our dad's side is Afrikaans. yeah and um our mom's side's portuguese yeah but anyways it's a type of you know it's a delicacy a it's a type of sausage and and then you know mashed potatoes and and green beans and the gravy mm, just so good so good 